Welcome, welcome, welcome to Thirst for Knowledge Podcast, episode 70. I'm James Evers. I'm Justin. And I'm Seth Tardiff. And today on the episode, we've got another History of Beer, part eight, from 1983 to 2009. That is correct. And this is a pretty solid History of Beer episode. We talk about a lot of the first craft breweries that were established in each of the New England states of the United States and some of the other notable ones from other states outside of New England that were important to us in our craft beer journey, as well as some other important parts of craft beer history that happened during this time. So join us as we go down the rabbit hole with alt ales, tasty Trappist triples, and consumer preference pool porters in the history of beer. James, you hanging? Why are you hanging, man? I decided to... Um, Were you doing some research for today's episode? I was doing a lot of research. <laughs> um, trials and test tastings. Uh-huh. This is pretty damn good. Allegash Triple, huh? So that is our featured beer for the History of Beer Part 8 today. The Rise of Craft Beer. That's tasty. Yes. How strong is that? So Allegash Triple is a Belgian-style golden ale from Allegash Brewing. Out of Portland, Maine, it is 9.0% ABV. Ooh, Damn. that is smooth. Yeah. That's smooth as eggs. That's a 9%er. Yeah. I should have used that as my beer mile beer. <laughs> <laughs> that would have went down smooth as eggs. Uh, and I don't know. By that fourth one? By the second one? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could get two down. You Maybe. might pick up the alcohol notes after the second one when you're burping. Oh, you totally would. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it would taste good coming out though. <laughs> that like banana y <laughs> bubblegum taste. <laughs> That's that Belgian yeast, man. Yeah. So Allagash was founded in nineteen ninety five by Rob Todd, and the first beer they brewed is Allagash White. Okay. Which is a huge beer that um Is that a wit beer? It, it's a wit beer and I almost thought about getting that for today's beer but I don't, it's been a while since i've had triple and i wanted to revisit it it was a good and choice it's it's a solid solid beer i think i think my headache just instantly went away oh wonderful i'm going blind in my right eye though Ooh, that's not good so here's a bit of note from allagash's website on their triple triple is a beer style with roots in the belgian trappist beer tradition only beer brewed by a protected and certified order of Abbey monks may be called Trappist. Secular breweries will use the moniker Abbey style to reflect beers brewed in the Trappist tradition. The name Triple was generally used for the strongest beer in a monastery's repertoire. The story goes that barrels were traditionally marked with X's to signify strength. So three X's would be for that Abbey's Triple. Oh. So anything in like the cartoons where they're depicting like... Uh, a jug with triple X's. 
That's a triple? That was a stronger, yeah, that was a stronger beer. Oh, yeah. Cool. So generally, a lineup of Trappist beers would consist of a few styles, a single, a double, and a triple, and some breweries would have quadruples known as quads. Mm. And you can learn more about Trappist breweries in the History of Beer Part 5, Episode 40 of the Thirst for Knowledge podcast. That is a good episode. If you guys haven't already, you should go listen to it. Yeah, you shouldn't be listening to this out of order. In fact, I, you should go all the way back. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Why is a single, single, double, triple, then quad? What does that mean? The number system of two, three, four. It's strength. Just yeah. strength. It's just strength. So those beers aren't necessarily just bigger versions of each other. Whereas nowadays, with things like IPAs, yeah. You'll have session IPAs, IPAs, double IPAs, triple IPAs. Those are just bigger versions or smaller versions of each other. Whereas in Belgian styles, a... A double has a different flavor, uh, grain bill, profile. Yes, exactly. And the, the same... Yeah, so a double is actually darker usually than a triple is. And then a quad is even darker than the double. So it's it's weird. It's not, they're not just bigger. There are similar characteristics that they share because of the Belgian style and everything, but there's distinct differences between all those beers. They're not just bigger, smaller versions of each other. Huh. Um, you know what I learned yesterday about Hmm. beer? Hmm. Gina's telling me, um, greater good and Worcester. Yeah. All their beers are 8%. Yeah. Their whole thing is like, bigger imperial style beers but everything's eight percent like it doesn't make sense like there's nothing like nine percent like it's all no i think they have higher <clears throat> higher, they? Than eight, higher than eight percent beers because there is gino saying that pulp is eight percent but pulp daddy which is a double of that is also eight percent i was like no that can't be right but wait who makes pulp greater, greater good, good. Greater That's good, in greater, Worcester? Yeah, Worcester, greater yeah. goods. What? Greater yeah. goods whole thing go? is its I big thought, style beers. I but love they, pulp. They made another brand. I, I forget what it's called, but they do session beers under their other brand. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. I for I, for some reason I thought they were like more like New Hampshire, Maine. No, yeah, know, Worcester. Worcester. They have like billboards cool. in Worcester too. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So during today's episode, we're basically covering the time period from 1983, where we left off last time, until 2009. And during this time period, most states in the United States will open their first craft breweries. Damn. Which is crazy. When is this? So 1983 to 2009. In this episode, we're mostly going to talk about u.s craft breweries for the most part there's a couple bigger picture things but um i wanted to focus on u.s craft breweries because this is where they really start to pop up this is where the growth really starts to multiply and um craft brewing really starts to become a player uh it's not when it becomes the most dominant but it's it's when all that is spreading and all these like famous notable breweries will start popping up. Um, I also wanted to highlight the first brewery in each of the new England States because they all opened during this time period. 83 to 2009. Yep. Was I even 21 then? Nope. 
Not even in 2009. Really? I was 19. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you want to start? So we're going to start in 1984. Boston Beer Company. Which 84? Is- Damn. Massachusetts' first craft brewery was Boston Beer Company, founded by Jim Cook. And the first beer that they brewed was Samuel Adams Boston Lager. Mm. They are now the fourth largest brewery in the United States. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Although that makes sense because I feel like no matter where you go now, you'll see a Sam Adams on draft. And if you don't don't see a Sam Adams there, you're probably going to see one of their other brands. So I think we talked about this before, maybe even in the first history of beer when we were doing like um, a general like that was the first episode doesn't start at the beginning of the beer history. The second episode does. The first one we were just overall talking about beer history um, throughout all of time, which isn't really that much when you do an hour episode. I think we also promised our fans that I was going to fight a lobster uh, with a fork in my mouth <laughs> without any hands. Oh, God. We never did it. So hey, we got to deliver. Episode 100. Episode 100. <laughs> we'll have to deliver on all our fucking shit. Yeah. So um, popular brands that aren't Sam Adams. So Boston Beer Company is, that's the company. Right. Okay. And then they have different beer brands or even alternative uh, hard it's beverage like brands. Be- yeah. So, um, they have hardcore cider, twisted tea. Yeah, that's where they're making all their money. That's yeah. why Angry Orchard and Truly Spiked and Sparkling, as well as a handful of others. But those are the most notable ones. So the Trulies are coming from. They're Boston? coming from Boston Beer Company, which uh, actually in the news very recently, their stocks have been going down hardcore. And they, and they just came up with uh, an article saying that it's potentially due to the downtick in seltzers. But at the same time, there's a bunch of other companies that are also doing seltzers now. So the market share is being spread thin. So people aren't going after truly as much. I don't know how that compares to White Claw or anything. I I thought I read as a total, I thought seltzers were going down. they, They might be, yeah. But, but I think it was like just a fad of like two years of fucking. I don't think seltzers are going to go to nothing. I don't think it's going to be no wine way. coolers. No. You know, I think it just it it had a big wave. All those and it's dude gonna, bros like, that were worried about off. carbs are now like yeah, yeah, saying yeah. fuck it. Once keto comes back around right. again, you know they'll be back <laughs> on the seltzers. The seltzers, I feel like, never had that weird stigma of being a chick drink like wine coolers were. I don't know why. But, like, I know a lot of guys that drink fucking seltzers. Yeah, yeah. They make it seem like, oh, yeah, like, I'll drink these in between beers to keep hydrated. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, do you. It's ridiculous. But. So, in 1984, we also saw a couple of other notable breweries pop up in the States. uh, One being Pyramid. Pyramid. Um, Now... As a preface to this, there are a lot 
a lot of breweries that opened during this time. So I, like I said, I picked out the ones from New England that I thought were interesting to me because that's where we are. And then I picked out some of the other breweries that I've either been to or have had beers from. So Pyramid, that uh, their apricot wheat was like a big beer that you could find at, uh, distributed pretty widely. Um, and now I think that they've been bought out by somebody else and mm. and they're just, they're not, they were one of, obviously they came out in 84. So they were one of the first on the scene. They were widely distributed. And then as all these other craft breweries came around that were more local and they're getting pushed off the shelves in favor of other stuff, which is, which is kind of what happened to a lot of these breweries that popped up first. Some of them were able to maintain their grasp on still having like wide distribution. Some of them, um, had more used to have a lot more brands on the shelf and now they have a lot less um but pyramid was definitely one that i remember when i was first buying craft beers i tried a handful of their stuff along with this next brewery widmer brothers they were another brewery that i used to buy every now and then i remember specifically buying them wait say that again widmer brothers I know. I remember having them when we were in Tewksbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a a handful of beers uh, that we used to buy from Lincoln Liquors. I remember specifically they had a decent black IPA. I know. They did. Yeah, yeah. Although going back to Pyramid, I think it's for 1984 to come out with an apricot wheat. Seems pretty ahead of its time. Like I don't remember if they came out with that in 1984, but it was still that was one of their big brands when yeah. I first noticed okay. that, that they were around. Um, <clears throat> in 1984, the other thing that happened, which is kind of a foreshadow to what our next history of beer will be, and there'll be a lot of foreshadowing for the next episode in this one. But Charlie Papazian, the guy who we talked about in the previous episode. Who's like the the Bob Ross, the of- grandfather of home brewing or whatever? He um he canned some of his home brew to experiment with different packaging options for craft brewers. Damn! And at that time in 1984, nobody was canning craft brew basically, and that won't happen. We won't even talk about that in this episode, which goes up till 2009. Right. There was so much stigma behind like there was a lo- skunks skunking beers and. Oh, yeah. And all the big breweries were canning their beers. So one of the things that was happening in the early days of craft beer was like, oh, yeah, we put it in bottles because bottles are better and all that stuff. And that that'll completely change. That'll be a big topic in, in the next episode. Right. Was that did that have a lot to do aside from the the image of being in a bottle? Did it have a lot to do with just craft breweries not understanding like. Um, quality control under like part of it was, was technology like too. There there weren't smaller canning lines that existed for um, for craft oh, breweries to okay. use. Yeah, so the the technology wasn't quite there yet. Okay, um, and now some bigger craft breweries might have been able to get it, but that those smaller canning lines weren't available yet. Something about drinking it out of the bottle made you feel fancy. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Do you remember, like, I remember as a kid, I'd always get, like, every once in a while, I could get a soda, but it'd be, like, the four-pack glass bottles. Oh, the Virgils, you know, man. You'd always Virgil's feel super beer. fancy mm-hmm. drinking, like, a glass bottle root beer. Or, or like a glass a bottle of Coke. Yeah. yeah. And something you always thought it. that that glass bottle Coke was better. They made it differently or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, I think that could be part of it. So 1985, we have 100 breweries in the U.S. 100 craft breweries in the U.S. In 1985. And now I'm going to check every few years or so here when there's a major milestone. I'll I'll mention 100. Only 100. So fucking tiny. There's probably 100 in mass now. There's more than that. So in 1986, we've got Harpoon Brewery opening. Okay. So Harpoon is... I can't believe it's that old. I know. It's crazy, right? So Harpoon yeah. started in Boston, and they also now have a, um, a facility in uh, Vermont as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Now, Harpoon's claim to fame, at least for the area that we're in, is they were the first to popularize an IPA in this area, like a local IPA huh. with Harpoon IPA. Mm, So the original recipe for Harpoon IPA was made by a brewer at Harpoon at the time called Todd Mott. Now he would go on um, later to found Tributary Brewing in Kittery, Maine. Yeah. Okay. I met that guy. Yeah. James met him. Yeah. I got his his autograph. Got his right over there. Yep. Got to frame that shit. Yeah. So uh, Todd's actually going to come up one more time in today's episode as well. Uh, which is pretty pretty wild. So uh, the next brewery that we have opening in 1986 is Geary's Brewing Company. Ah, okay. They were the first Geary's brewery in Maine. Yeah, yeah, I remember them. Yeah. So <laughs> first brewery in Maine. First brewery in Maine, and I think they're they're still in the same building that they were when they opened. Um, originally their original location. Damn. So um, Geary's was helped set up by a brewing consultant named Alan Pugsley, who is an English biochemist and considered a top brewery consultant at the time. Alan Pugsley would also co-found Shipyard Brewing Company. Her. Is this the guy who has that yeast strain that he, like... Uh, wormwood or uh, not yes. wood? This is ringwood. Ring, okay. okay. So Alan Pugsley is mostly known for setting, being a brewery consultant and setting up all of these breweries, with, which I would call ringwood breweries because they used his yeast strain that he brought over from England. Okay. And a lot of it would involve open fermentation. Uh, ringwood is a very vigorous yeast that ferments very quickly. Um, and they would, you know, har- it, it produces like a very distinct flavor. It is. In their it's beers, it's right? a very distinct flavor. The other thing that happens with some of these Ringwood breweries is that once they get going, they would just continuously repitch the same. They'd collect and repitch the same yeast over and over again and never, ever put a fresh pitch back in. So they would just go generation after generation after generation. And what had happened is the yeast would mutate and it would basically um, create its own distinct like house flavor, which could oh, be a that's... good or a bad thing, depending on what you're looking for. It's, it's you can never recreate that. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and in some cases, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good thing, and people like it. Um, 
I think a lot of those, I think you can brew good beer with Ringwood. And I think there's a handful of breweries that have done it. Um, but in some circumstances, I don't know if it's necessarily the yeast or the practices or whatever, but I, as I learned more about beer and I, I developed more of a palate for it, a lot of those Ringwood breweries just didn't sit well with me. And I always attributed it to the yeast, sure. but I don't necessarily know if it's fully the yeast or also the practices that those breweries had. And I don't know if they just, some of those breweries fell out of good practices over time and that's kind of, you know, their quality lacked. And Do you know of some stuff. of them off the top of your head aside from Shipyard and Geary's? Shipyard, Geary's, um, Gritty's in uh, Portland, um, uh, in New Hampshire, there is, uh, my God. Uh, Woodstock Brewery. Oh, okay. Um, th- uh, there's a handful of others. Uh, Magic Hat. No. Um, really? So they all do open <clears throat> fermentation? So not all of them do open fermentation, but Shipyard did, Geary's did, Woodstock did. I don't know if Magic Hat did open fermentation, but they did use Ringwood as their house yeast strain. I could see that being like a good gimmick where like if you if you made a beer with that where you could like keep it in a bottle for a long time and be like that that strain or like that year was really good in the ring but you'll never get that again because the yeast mutated so keep a couple bottles and kind of like preserve it in a way yeah i could see that being a good gimmick one thing about geary is that i thought was really cool um you know having uh uh con like worked when I worked uh, for mobile canning, I, I canned beer for Geary's a bunch of times. So I kind of got to see all inside their facility and everything. And the open fermentation thing is kind of cool to see. Uh, the other thing too, is that, like their mash ton and their, um, like their boil kettle look really cool. Like the mash tons get this big, like, like it's wood, all like wooden on the outside and it like looks really old school and cool. cool. And they've got the, the boil kettle's got like all bricks around it. It looks really like, I don't know. It just looks craft. Like yeah, when you think I, craft, like that's it. So it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I wanted to like Geary's. I remember picking up like a six pack, yeah. like for the first time, mm-hmm. like, Oh shit, this stuff from Maine. I'll, yeah. I'll check it out. And like, yeah. Ooh, I've never heard of this. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wanted to like it, but yeah, since you mentioned the the ringwood strain like it it clicked for me and i was like yeah. oh fuck that is that flavor that yeah. taste and it's not good one one thing <laughs> about geary's though and i don't know if it's like nostalgic now but their hampshire special ale okay oh i don't think i've had that their hampshire special ale it's i don't know there's just something about that i'll i'll drink a hampshire special if i happen upon one again <laughs> you know um but yeah, it's been a while since I've had one. But I think it's like six and a half ish percent, something like that. Yeah. Good beer in the in the winter, <clears throat> you know. It's it's very caramely and it's just like a strong ale kind of. Hmm. But yeah, that, that's all I got on Geary's. Next up, we've got 1987. We've got another first for New England. We've got New Haven Brewing Company in Connecticut, which is now known as New England Brewing Company. So this one I've had, I've actually had some of New England Brewing Company's beers. 
Um, and they were pretty good. One of the guys that I used to work with, uh, lived down in Connecticut and he used to get growlers and like bring them up for us and stuff. But I don't know if they have distribution in mass or New Hampshire or anything. I've ever seen it. Yeah. But they're, they're, I'd, I'd say at least when I had them, they were, they were doing pretty solid stuff, but that's really all I, they, their website, like didn't really have anything about their history or anything, which I thought was pretty crazy. Like if you were the first brewery in the state like you should be like playing off of that shit and like talking about your history and all that Connecticut, stuff they're not they don't give a fuck about you they don't want, <laughs> they don't care about you being informed they don't give a shit about their fucking rest areas oh, damn, dude. their on ramps or exit ramps they don't give a fuck about you okay fuck connecticut <laughs> fuck. damn oh harsh words connecticut. on connecticut Okay, so we'll move on. We'll get out of Connecticut then. Thank you. So the other thing that happened in 1987 <coughs> was the Great American Beer Festival started to give away awards based on beer category. Okay. So it's so like the best IPA, the best lager. Exactly. But you would see this on the bottles, right? Yeah. If you win a Great American Beer Festival award, you'd say, hey, we got a silver in IPA. I or, think I remember seeing some of those on some. Yeah. Beers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a bit, it becomes a big marketing point. It's like a prestigious thing for the brewing, uh, you know, world. Yeah. yeah. So, um, there were 12 categories when they started doing this. Okay. Here's the 12 categories. Okay. Ales, alts, American cream ales, American lagers, American light lagers, box slash doppelbox. I don't know what the fuck this means, but consumer preference pool, <laughs> continental pilsners, porters, stouts, Vienna style lagers, and wheat beers. Damn. If you will know, well, that's IPA interesting. wasn't even a category at right. that point. Well, ales, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so it would that would fall under, but it's funny because ales is a category, and then there's a bunch of other like ones that uh, beers that are ales. Right. So I guess the ales category must have just been if it, if you don't fit into any of these other categories and you're an ale, uh, you go into that. What category. was the consumer one? Consumer preference pool. Maybe it was like the popular vote. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe like yeah. the people's vote. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. But that's interesting because now there's a lot more categories in the Great American Beer Festival. Sure. Um, so 1988, we've got the opening of Brooklyn Brewery. Brooklyn! Which, uh, that that's that's a big brewery that um, we used to get a lot of back when we first started drinking beers. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brooklyn Lager, um, the Brooklyn Summer, fucking, uh, what else? Um, their, uh, uh, what is it called? Their Stout. They made a, a pretty great they stout. They did make a good stout. Uh, their head brewer, Garrett, Garrett Oliver, who's been their head brewer like forever, basically, um, and it still is to this day, has put out a lot of really good beers. Those guys, um, the original owners and founders, Steve Hindi and Tom Potter, wrote a book called Beer School, which is a great book if you um, want to know about how they got started. And they talk about all the different trials and tribulations and things that they faced and like um what it took to get the brewery going and all that stuff it's a really fun read hmm. um, they started 87 88 88 okay yeah, yeah. nice yeah I, I before i was thinking about getting into the beer industry that was one of the books that i read and um it was a really good read 
So another major event in the beer industry happened in 1988, and I will call it um, the Great Merger. And this is part one of the Great Merger. Okay, <laughs> is this when all when companies are buying out other companies. Um, yes, this is part of it. So in 1988, Belgium-based Interbrew is formed from a merger of Stella Artois, Bass, Becks, Boddington's, Hogarden, Labatt, Leff. And Stara Pramen, I don't know who Stara Pramen is. And th- that interbrew group became the third largest brewery on the planet. Just for them all, just like banding forming. together like That's that. That's interesting. Yes. They became the third largest brewery? Yes. So at that, who was one and two? Um, I don't know. I didn't look that up. But in 88 or 89? That was in 88, yeah. I wonder it was, but I mean, I I have to assume that Budweiser was big then, right? They they that probably probably yeah. yeah. Goddamn. Yeah, that that's pretty wild. So that's the great merger part one. We will get to part two and part. So three basically, they were on. like thinking, okay, strength in numbers. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, we will have a little bit more uh, ability for distribution, mm-hmm. packaging, a little bit more. To be able to kind of survive. Buying things in bulk and at scale, economy of scale, all that kind of stuff. Shelf space, acquiring all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So next in 1988, we have Vermont's first brewery, Ooh. which is the Vermont Pub and Brewery, which still exists today in downtown Burlington, Vermont. So I've, I've been there a um, couple years ago, uh, five or six years ago now. Um, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's what it used to be. So, um, but first Vermont pub and brewery was founded by Greg Noonan and he's a guy that wrote several books on brewing and he was instrumental in the success of the Vermont brewing scene. And he's kind of like known as a legend in Vermont. Um, he mentored John Kimmich. (coughs) who would go on to found Alchemist Brewing. Mm. And uh, Noonan passed away at the age of 58 in 2009. Damn. So uh, he obviously isn't, you know, overseeing the brewery anymore. I don't know. They were another one who their website had a lot of really good information on Noonan and his history with the brewery. But that's kind of where the history of the brewery stops. Like they don't talk about who took over and like sure. you know how they're running things there, all that kind of stuff. I remember trying there. I I tried a flight there, and I thought it was it was a cool place, cool atmosphere, very old school. Um, and their their beers are okay. I don't really remember anything standing out like crazy. But uh, John Kimmich, who would form Alchemist. He, the yeast that he uses, he got from Vermont Pub and Brewery, which is that yeast would go on and become a pretty big deal. We will talk about that more in the next episode, definitely, because that is a big part of the IPA scene and what it is today. But um, yeah, noting that John Kimmich came from Vermont Pub and Brewery is a major milestone in IPA history. (laughs) So 1989, speaking of IPAs, 
They are now introduced as a category at the Great American Beer Festival. IPAs. It's interesting because <clears throat> from what we talked about last history of beer, Sierra's already been established. Oh, yeah. They've been going. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Through all this time with all the uproots in the east with all the new breweries popping up. Yeah. Sierra's just been fucking pumping shit out. Yeah, dude. Did they have distribution out this way at that time or no? The, that I don't know. That would be hard to. But I wouldn't look up. necessarily be surprised if they did yeah. because there were so few craft breweries and the demand probably wasn't super high for craft beer back then, but it was gaining some steam. So I really, yeah, if you could find a Sierra Pale Ale. Sierra was like, what, 1980? Um, they were always so distinct. Yeah. Like when I saw them at liquor stores or anything, they always had their own like shaped bottle. It's like shorter and fatter. And I could always picture like they they were like one of the only ones with like a nice big green label. Yeah. With, like, the, you know? Mm-hmm. That pale ale. Fuck yeah, Sierra. God damn. So good. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so <clears throat> um, at that Great American Beer Festival where IPA was introduced, Rubicon IPA from Sacramento won the gold, and Liberty Ale from Anchor won the silver. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now we're getting out of the 80s. We're going into the 90s, and we're 1991. Mm. New Belgium Brewing Company was founded. Oh, no shit. Out of Colorado. Colorado. Yep. Boulder, right? Um, no. no. Fort Collins. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. New Belgium um, is known or was known for being an employee owned company, which is a pretty, uh, pretty big deal. Right. Um, and. They have had pretty wide distribution, you know, over the last few years. Pretty gigantic brewery at this point. You pretty much get their fat tire, amber ale, you know, all over the place. I don't remember. I didn't start seeing that more and more in like, at least within the last like. It's the last five five or six years. years. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But before then, I was like, oh, this must be like some new craft brewery that I've never seen. I'm exactly. like, it must be new. And they've been around since nine, right. 20 years or more, <laughs> you know, 30 years, right? Damn. Did you ever go there when you were to in Colorado? Nevada. I didn't, no. We no. went there. It's, oh, it, you did? It's, it's a cool spot. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, they've got like a lot of cool, they've got a lot of land in their brewery. So it's like like grass, picnic tables, like like games and mm-hmm. shit like set up. Yeah. It's, it's, a fu- it's a fun spot. That's cool. Yeah, we hit up a bunch of breweries when we were there, but New Belgium wasn't one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another one, we've got a big one here, New Hampshire. We got New Hampshire's first craft brewery, oh. Portsmouth Brewery hmm. in okay. Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So siblings Peter and Janet Eggleston opened the brewery in Portsmouth. And Peter would go on to also found Smutty Nose in 1994. Portsmouth Brewery would also hire Todd Mott, previously of Harpoon fame, in 2004. And his Kate the Great Russian Imperial Stout would go on to be named number one in, number one beer in the U.S. by Beer Advocate and number two in the world. Damn. Kate the Great would become the original. You've and this talked is, about this. This is my own quote. 
<laughs> and the original whale beer in New England, the people lining up around the block on its release. So before your hazy IPAs and your uh, pastry stouts and all that jazz, Kate the Great was like the original beer in New England anyways that people would line up around the corner for. And it was just a Russian Imperial Stout. It was not loaded with fruits or any crazy stuff. It was just a really good beer that Todd brewed and people loved it. Wow. Did you ever have it? I did not ever have it, no, unfortunately. Um, Didn't they, don't they like release it limited, limited like small batches every now and then? So now that Todd is you know owns his own brewery and that's um tributary in kittery maine okay he does a beer that's an ode to kate the great and it's called mott the lesser <laughs> and it's okay. his russian imperial stout so i that's the, good. that's the closest thing to kate the great that You've you're had gonna it? get james yeah i've actually got a couple bottles him really yeah ever so for the past two years i've gone and you can get like buy two bottles at a time for the release or whatever yeah. well so, next time you crack one man call me yeah yeah no it's it's really good um and yeah and uh, tributary is a great brewery <laughs> oh damn <laughs> yeah so portsmouth brewery itself though um other than you know having the you know todd be their brewer and all that stuff uh, great place to it's still open today you can go to portsmouth and it's a great place to eat and grab a beer uh, i haven't been there in a few years but last time i you know it was good food good beer um and it's in a cool location downtown portsmouth mm. you know really neat spot god damn so 1993 couple other big breweries especially in the early days of me drinking craft beer left hand brewing left famous hand. for their milk stout yep. and lagunitas brewing company mm. you know famous for a bunch of ipas and things i used to crush so much lagunitas, lagunitas like maximus before they were bought out by heineken yeah. <laughs> when i was down in california like when you go down into like a regular gas station, I was having a hard time just finding normal beers besides like 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 Spanish style, like Corona, mm -hmm. Modelo, Heineken. It was like that's the only thing you could really pick. Yeah. Except for Lagunitas. And that's the only thing that Weird. was available. That's and like every gas station, I was like, this is the closest thing I can get to like not uh like Heineken, Corona, oh, yeah, or Modelo. Yeah, yeah. I was like, so I drank a shitload of that <laughs> in California. Nice. <clears throat> I like them. I, I like them, but but again, it's it's stupid for me to to hate on them now because yeah. they sold out. Like, who yeah. gives a shit? I've I've bought their beer a couple of times since they were bought out, but yeah. now it's like, I don't know. There's nothing like. Um, I think brown sugar is good. That's what I'm. I was actually gonna say brown sugar is probably like one of the only things that I've yeah. bought too. Um, I have such a weird view on people selling out for beer. Like usually like I will stop drinking them once I find out they're sold out because yeah. like, I think we talked about this before, but like it kind of changes to see here. Yeah. Like the sweetness goes up and blah, blah, blah. And then the idea of selling out is bullshit. 
but I would be the first motherfucker. I would sell out to sell out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that would be almost like what's our goal? Our goal is to get <laughs> get big enough to get noticed by Budweiser or fucking Boston Beer Company oh, yeah. and have them offer us a deal and yep. we go where do i sign and we're in the neck dude there's so much this episode is mostly just setting up what we're going to talk about in the next episode because there's so much shit that happens from 2010 to current time in just the craft 10 beer years. industry it is it is gigantic and one of the things that we're going to talk about is that subject itself of Selling out. selling out. I mean, isn't that what we're trying to do with the podcast? Just get it big enough so we can all just so fucking Spotify sell the Spotify. Oh yeah, we'll yeah. drop off every other platform and just be on Spotify. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Hey, yeah. send us Spotify an offer, man. Baby. Our episodes are exploding quick. You can see the rapid growth if you check <laughs> us out. It is going high, <laughs> fast to the moon, to the moon. <laughs> so in 1993, we've also got. The last of the first New England breweries, and that's Rhode Island. It's a brewery called Union Station Brewing. Hmm. And they're a brew pub located in Providence, Rhode Island, built in the former train station. So this was another one that barely had any information about how it started or what the fuck they're doing. Still going? They're still going. They were bought out, I guess, a couple of years ago. But I looked at the pictures of the place. It looks pretty cool. Um Looks like it'd be a fun place to grab a pint and, you know, get some food. But other than that, I really don't know much about it. I couldn't find much history other than that it's built in an old train station. What is it called again? Union Station Brewing. Good name for a train station brewery. Yeah. Yeah. So 1995, we've got two big boys, uh, Allagash, as we talked about. Pretty tasty triple right here. Yep. And uh, Dogfish Head Brewery. Very awesome brewery. Damn, 95? 95, which we've talked about on the History of Beer a few times now because we've used their beer for featured beers because of their ancient ales and all that jazz. Ancient ales. Yep. <clears throat> but, yeah. And they're just fucking all around. They're the best, man. Dogfish Head's great. They, they've earned their reputation. They're definitely my favorite of the big regional craft breweries or whatever. Yeah, they're tasty. Like, um, they do all sorts of... They were one of the first breweries to do all the crazy shit, but they, I feel like they didn't go so over the top with making... I don't know. Some of their shit was ridiculous, and it was definitely like marketing stuff. They towed the line but, pretty well. But yes, exactly. That's what... That, like, it's... Like they're really like they they're experimental. Yeah, yeah. But they don't sacrifice that for a shit product. For the most part, there's been a couple of things I've tried that were experimental. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, but those products usually disappear pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, I like a savory beer over a sweet fruity beer. Yeah, you know, and they use like spices. Yeah, savory yeah. spices and shit. Yeah, so it's they cool. they do some fruity stuff too. But when they do it, it's not super it's like not it's not like they're loading it with lactose to back sweeten the hell out of it and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's usually pretty complimentary that that kind of thing. Um, I just waiting for them to bring back Palo Santo Maron so I can so, buy a case or two of it. <laughs> it is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, we're going to move on to 1996 where we ha- now have 1000 craft breweries in the United States. Okay. 1000. 1000. Damn. So in about 10 years, we've got a, a tenfold boom. Exactly. 
which is pretty wild. Okay. Pretty wild. We're still not to pre-prohibition numbers, but... <laughs> oh, right. Know. Yeah. Do you remember how many there were? I think at one point there were over 4,000. Yeah, that's what I was saying, at 4,000. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's slowly climbing. Yeah. So in 1996, we've got some other heavy hitters that opened in the craft brewing scene, being Firestone Walker. What? They're that old? Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, their Union Jack is so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, Firestone makes I don't, some good I, stuff. I don't see it around anymore, though. Yeah. I used to see it a lot, and I used to be able to buy it, but yeah. I, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, Stone Brewing Company. Cool. Also opened. Stone which- was really popular, like, for some reason. I don't know if it was just our group or just, like, it was, I think it was just really popular like six years ago. I seven used to year- buy a lot of it. Yeah. The Sour Monkey and like just the Golden Monkey. No, you're talking no, that's, Victory Day. That's oh, Victory. Fuck. Which. <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking. Okay, yeah, right. But so, then Stone was right next to it in a way. But, okay, yeah, well, sorry. Victory opened also in 1996. It did? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, Stone, I've been to one of their locations. Stone is the gargoyles. They're then. the gargoyles. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But and they were always famous for like bastard. super heavy hoppy beers. Yes. Ruination. So, they, yeah, they, that will probably be the beginning of the next History of Beer episode when we talk about like the IBU race and everything. Yes. And, like, is there a way to get Ruination still? Um, they've been doing this whole thing where they bring back beer like old beers and they'll they'll brew them again and then do like limited releases and stuff um so i think you just gotta kind of pay attention and see when they do it because they did a root they revamped the recipe right Mm -hmm. ruination 2.0 yes and i think they brought back the original recipe i want to say like a year ago or something like that yeah 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 but Stone, they, they, yeah, they were definitely instrumental in pushing forward hoppy beers and the IPA styles oh, and yeah. all that. Um, and then Victory, great fucking love Victory, man. Great brewery, <clears throat> yeah. They've, I, I really can't say I've had a bad beer from Victory. That's a fair assessment. And, and that, I, I would agree with that. That like everything that I've tried from them has been great. They just um, came out with a new 15 pack, which is like four, four, five, five beers, three each in the pack. Mm-hmm. And I, I had them. I have like leftovers now, but yeah, they were all pretty good. They have like a hazy. They have like a like a session IPA, mm-hmm. and then fucking they're headwaters. Headwaters. So, I, I'm like Ham. This brings me to a, a point of mine. My favorite. I feel like if headwaters was branded as a session ipa instead of just like a pale a hoppy pale ale or whatever yeah. it was if it was branded as a session ipa it would do better than all survived? day ipa i think it would have survived Damn. oh it's definitely better than all day ipa without question i don't like all days so that's why i'm saying if headwaters was branded oh, if, so if it was just a touch ahead of the curve and it branded itself as a session ipa because that beer was great so good and granted i haven't had it since it like they last stopped brewing it but um i think the last time i had it was when we went there after hatteras like oh yeah the first year or some shit like that yeah. like way back like 2014 2015 maybe something like that oh so good yeah, they, um, 
Yeah, I've been there a couple times, and both times are great experiences. First time, we had this great waitress, and I was just like, hey, <laughs> like, I've never been here before, whatever, like, this glass is really cool, like, can I have this glass? It was like a English pub-style glass. She yeah, was just yeah. like, oh, yeah, throw it in the thing. <laughs> like, All right, great. Gave us a bunch of free shit and everything. It was awesome. Um, so, now... In 1996, we have another big thing that happens, and that was the um, creation of Beer Advocate. Are you guys familiar with Beer yes. Advocate? Yep. So Beer Advocate is basically the first beer rating site. It's like Yelp, but for beers, yeah. right? It's pr- pretty pretty much, yeah. Like So today, everybody probably knows about Untapped. Which oh, is an yeah. app on your phone, and you you rate beers and you check in beers and all that stuff. So, beer advocate before you weren't like checking in beers, like oh hey I'm at this place drinking this beer. You just say, hey, it's like a personal jur- journal of your beer drinking experience, right? Or no? I mean, yeah, you could you could write that, or you, like you could say, oh I was here, dr- I bought the beer from this place, like got a bottle from. Uh, Lincoln Liquors. It's a uh, so you could find nineteen ninety eight, yeah, and all that stuff, and uh, or I traded for X whatever, and so on and so forth. I used to see um, <clears throat> there was a lot of like your neighborhood beer stores that would actually have like um like reviews from Beer Advocate like oh i we got this new beer in it got an 8.9 on Beer Advocate yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly that Wyman's would, did that that was a big marketing that. thing too yeah. and they would also have uh their top beers that so you could look up oh top 50 rated beers in the country you know and you um, go and try to try some of those Exactly, and they so would create hype, and then you would have people that rated like top raters and everything, and they would hold weight too, and like, oh, this guy thought that this beer was really great. And Dusty Balls sixty nine <laughs> said this was a great IPA. No it's, way, Dusty right. Balls said it was good. <laughs> yeah, I would get when I would go to Wyman's. I'd go in the fridge. I sometimes I'd be like, oh, that got a ninety eight or ninety nine. I'm like, I'm gonna get that. Yeah. Did I used to it? be swayed that way. I, I I can see through the bullshit now. Well, now you can. You have a very sophisticated, you know, <laughs> taste, and you can. Well, a lot of the beers that are in the top beers are are usually pretty good, but some of it's a lot of it's like splitting hairs too. It's like, well, sure, there's yeah, these that beer is really great, but there's also another brewery that does a similar beer to this and it's also really great but it's not even close to this other one you know it's it is a lot of opinion and for sure um and in some of some of that can it can elevate beers and when you're drinking it you might think that it's better because it's on this highly rated list yeah that's that's where i feel is the big problem and and we've even had some of the top rated beers in the world on this podcast in one of the previous history beers we had a uh west western 12 you know which was number one at the at at a certain point and is still rated pretty high that was pretty good it's Mm -hmm. it's good yeah it's a really good quad but you know 
but it's also really fucking hard to get <laughs> and you know that might lend to uh it being the rated hype. so highly sure you know yeah so that and that's another thing is, is hyperies which we will talk like about alchemist. in the next episode you know treehouse alchemist treehouse <laughs> fuck you guys whoa 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 i'm not saying fuck anybody um it's okay you could be neutral <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um uh beer advocate and then there'll be a couple more that that come later on but 1997 we have russian river brewing company is started they are famous for pliny the elder oh yeah yep uh i've i've visited them uh once a couple years ago they're still active with like the very plain labels um some of their like just a white label with like text no no. Main Brewing Company does that. Main right? Brewing Company does that. I could have swore that River one does Russian River. Russian River's labels aren't super. I mean, some of them are plain, but they they do have color to them. Yeah. Some of them have like graphics and stuff on them. Did Willie ever bring a bottle of Pliny? Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. So actually, that yeah, that's when I first tried it when Willie brought us back. Okay. Brought us back some of that. Um. And that yeah, they're they're a great brewery. Uh, I, I used to think. Like I, I would always hear about them, and a, a lot of times I'm like, if I keep hearing about something and I and I haven't tried it, or I'm like, oh, these guys are just overhyped, fuck them, whatever. Sure. But then I, you know, I had Pliny, and it's it's the archetypal West Coast IPA. Like it's it's oh, really? it's classic. It's okay. great. Um, and those guys were instrumental too in hyping up the ipa game and all that stuff especially west coast styles but they're also good with like sour beers and belgian styles as well and um when i went out there it was you know got a pizza there great pizza (laughs) and uh tried you know a few of their beers and some of their belgian stuff and it was great it's really well done great brewery great vibe yeah they are hype and and they're super popular but they put out really good beers like I, i can't say a bad thing about them um and now, also in 1997, we have 50 categories at the Great American Beer Festival. Whoa, so you 50. can see that as all these breweries are coming into existence, they're experimenting. There, there wouldn't be a need to have 50 categories if all these breweries weren't brewing a bunch of different styles of beer. Right. You know, some of them, a lot of these breweries are looking to the old styles and in 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 brewing things that you can't get in America, like brewing German styles and uh, Czech styles and sure. Belgian styles and France and all, all your uh, England styles, all, all this stuff. Um, and it just keeps expanding and expanding and will do so until, you know, uh, until we hit a certain point in time. Now in 1999, we have Montana, being Montana. the last state to legalize brew pubs. Whoa. Montana didn't legalize brew pubs until 1999. <laughs> wow. That seems so late. That's right? so weird. That seems like a very good place to take advantage of that market. Oh, yeah. Right away. Like, Definitely. That's kind of just like the last place to legalize marijuana, whatever state that's going to oh, be. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like people, there will be an infrastructure so deep that they could literally like open up a store the next day mm-hmm. in a way, you know? Sure. Yep. And then they'll crush. Oh yeah. That'd definitely. be a good that would have probably been a good place to like, all right, they legalized, let's go open up a brewer. We already know how to do it. 
So now we're moving into 2000, and uh, in the year 2000, rape beer was formed. So rape beer okay. is basically just the other side of the coin of Beer Advocate. Mm. Very similar website, very similar setup, rating beers, all that jazz. And I remember, so I don't remember these websites being started because I wasn't drinking at this point. Like, you know, year 2000, right. I was 13 or whatever. Nerd. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was, I was drinking yeah. vodka at nine. <laughs> yeah. But where were you drinking Beer craft with, beers? No. Too better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So um, now, so when I got into the craft beer game and I started learning about rapier or um, beer advocate and you would talk to other guys, it seemed like there was always like, oh, are you a rape beer guy or a beer advocate guy? Uh. Like, which ones like uh, reviews do you actually agree with or do you like it's more so fucking tribal it's yeah so dude, crazy it really is it really is and that and that's it there pretty much you had rapier and beer advocate and that was it there was like no other there was no other sites until untapped came along and that is like a different it's a similar but different animal yeah so um in 2003 the alchemist is founded by john kimmich who we talked about earlier um, and we'll go more, they, they don't really rise to prominence until a little bit later, um, which we'll talk about in the next episode. 2004, we have the great merger part two. So Interbrew, Interbrew. merges with Ambev of Brazil to form InBev, which becomes <sighs> the largest brewing company on planet Earth. What, what year? That was in 2004. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Goliath. There's no fucking way. <laughs> exactly. You're ever going to compete. Yeah. Good luck. So another monumental occasion happened in 2004, and that was the first collab brew. Ooh. Now you hear about collab brews all the time. All the time. Craft brewers are constantly oh, yeah. doing collab brews. There's more collab brews than you could count ever. And it, it's cool, though. It it's, is cool. It's really neat yeah. to, to kind of get a, a different perspective on what two headmasters, like brewmasters, can come up oh, with. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes it, it gets crazy, but. Yeah, and sometimes it's just, it's fun to, like, oh, these two brews, like, two of my favorite breweries just made a beer together. Like, yeah. that's awesome. Wasn't there a weird one? that stone did like with like Wookiees and it was like a weird star Wars theme fucking bizarro beer. Oh yeah. I'll yeah. save it for the QC, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. go ahead. Um, I remember, I remember when they did like, they were doing like mixing wines with beers. Like, Oh, we did a bourbon aged beer. We we're going to put it in a liquor bottle and then we're going to make a wine out of that. And then we're going to swing it back and then make that another beer out of the wine infused liquor bottle, liquor, liquor barrel. And yeah. Like, there's shit there's, got fucking there's wild. weird shit that still happens with that. Yeah. Um, but the first collab brew is actually <clears throat> pretty cool concept. And uh, I, I was not aware of this. I'd never heard of it, but it was between Russian river and Avery. So Avery is out of Colorado and um, they realized that they both had a brew with the same name. And they decided to do a collab brew and call it collaboration, not litigation. Nice. Because, nice. yeah, which is awesome because that's something that happens nowadays a lot where a brewery will find out that another brewery has a beer that's got the same name as it. And then they send like a cease and desist, like you got to stop using this name because brand confusion, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the beer that they made was a blend of the two beers 
that they had the same name of. So they were both called Salvation and they were both Belgian style beers. So they blended them together and then bottled them, you know, in their own that's pretty package cool. and everything so what did they each just like send a barrel or like a fucking a, i don't know how they i don't know the logistics of how they like, did we'll it just or, buy we'll just buy fucking like a thousand cases and you buy a thousand <laughs> cases from us and we'll mix it with ours and yeah um but that, that's cool that would, that would be an interesting beer to try definitely those are two great breweries um now in 2005 we have the third part of the great merger and that is InBev merges with Anheuser-Busch to form Anheuser-Busch InBev which is still the biggest brewery that's, on the planet that's it and that is as we know today AB InBev um AB InBev yeah which is gigantic and they own lots and lots of beer brands and you, if you haven't, if you drink beer and you haven't ever drank something that AB InBev owns, that's fucking impressive. That's very impressive. There's no way. And you probably don't even know. Like you, you might not even know because they, that you just go and look at the list of brands they own, and it's insane. Yeah. It's just insane. Do you think there's a snob out there who's never had like a Bud Light? Oh, oh for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. You think, Def- though? Really? Yeah, no, there is. There's, I'm there's... not drinking a Bud Light. <laughs> a Budweiser <laughs> Light really, Lager? Though. No, thank you. Or like any commercial like Bud Light, Coors Light. I think it'd be hard to find that person, but I wouldn't be surprised if they exist. Especially nowadays. I would want to slap that person. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to punch him. I don't want to kick him in the dick. Mm-hmm, I would just mm-hmm. want to slap him. Like your fingertips? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or the back of your hand. Like, oh. <laughs> ah. All right, so okay. we're almost we're almost done here. We're almost at the end of uh, at the end of the episode. And in 2008, something interesting happened. I graduated high school. James graduated <laughs> high school, and there was a hop shortage. So oh. this is pretty wild. How it happened? There was a wildfire or multiple wildfires that happened in Washington which is a major place where hops are grown. And there were bad storms that ruined hop crops in Germany, another place where hops are grown. So in response, um, brewers had to do some interesting things, such as make lower IBU beers or do different styles that don't use as many hops, including Belgian styles and sour beers, which I would imagine led to some of the popularity of some of those styles at the time crazy bitter ones Uh, no it's the less bitter ones because they didn't have as many hops and um another thing that happened which was interesting was bigger breweries who had large hop supplies would sell um hops at cost to uh, like smaller craft breweries because to show camaraderie and keep craft beer going yeah and all that stuff because they're their future. Those are like their babies they're going to buy one day. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you let them do all the hard work of getting popular, mm-hmm. and then you just buy them out. And be like, all right, we got another popular brewery. So 2009, the end of our time for this episode. And there are 1,595 craft breweries in the U.S. producing 9.1 million barrels a year. How many? 1,000? 1,595 craft breweries in the U.S. From 100. From, from 100. 100 at the beginning where we started. 
in the 80s. Or like slightly less than 100 when we started. Which isn't yeah. bad, but still, like, it's crazy how big it's even gotten. Yeah, in the next episode, we'll see that that number... Explodes. Explodes. <laughs> fucking explodes. And in so many things happen to craft beer. Um, <clears throat> 2000 and... I would say 2008 was when I really started to take my footsteps down the craft beer road. Yeah. We we kind of just got on the wave as it was going up. Like it just when it was, you could barely just kind of like it, it's forming. Yeah. You know? Um, and then it, it gets huge. I couldn't drink until 2011 legally sure but i was drinking 2006 i would say like 16 i mean you were brewing that you were brewing that in your bedroom with yeah. tracy i was brewing beers at 17 so <laughs> making blue moon clones and oh fucking whatever um but i i don't know why i couldn't get on the 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 future when it started the ibu train when it started yeah. coming yeah and I still well, I was there. I, I, still I chased can't. it hard, dude. I did too. I, I, I mean, I, I experimented, it, dude. I bought it. I experimented. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll fucking try it, but it's always I'm like, oh, fuck. It yeah. Which like- is funny because there's like a diminishing returns at a certain point, right? Like there's but, a, yeah, a, a yeah. IBU threshold or yeah. yeah. But most breweries weren't really crossing that. But yeah, they're you know Stone was doing there's, some crazy. There's stuff. So, yeah, Stone was doing. That's the shit I was scared of when people were like, what was it like hop. Was it like Hop Devil? No, it's Victory. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It's always been Victory. It's always been Victory. Some of that shit, man, that Victory had then, that was rough on me. But I I think I was just scared of Stone. Yeah. Those gargoyles scared me. Um, But next episode, we're going to talk Craft Beer Ghost Mainstream, the IPA craze, Big Beer Guys. Does that go all the way to present day? Yeah, we're going to present day next episode. And you know, um, there's a lot of beer trends I'm noticing. Remember the beer commercials though, like during the Super Bowl when we were kids too. Though those are always the Budweiser ones. Oh, those yeah. are like everyone was waiting for Budweiser commercials. Yeah. Oh so yeah, the, for sure. The frogs were like mm-hmm. Budweiser, and like the was that thing. Jesus Wait, was that Bud? Was that a Budweiser commercial? The was up? I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. What. Just sitting here waiting. What? I want to say it was. That's like two two thousand maybe. What? It was a commercial. Yeah, it, was, it was Budweiser. Yeah. Yeah. What year? Um. Do you know? We can QC it. It's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nineteen ninety nine. Ninety nine. My dad loved that commercial, and I think I to loved this, it, dude. This, it was so good, man. And I was like, "What is that? What is that?" <laughs> For six months, that was like in the popular pop culture. Such a weird fucking thing, dude. They yeah. had so many. That's what everyone on the Super Bowl would look forward to with the Budweiser commercials, mm-hmm. and then everyone else started following suit on being like crazy commercials. We mm-hmm. should bring those back, like those awkward. We should bring back those weird things. What's up? <laughs> no, it's we should, never we should try to bring it back. Be that very good idea. Be that awkward middle-aged man <laughs> who tries to be cool. What's <laughs> uh, just, uh, just, I just think a scary movie every time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, totally. 
<laughs> the fucking stoner like killer face guy yeah. ghost face killer yeah yeah it's like stoned <laughs> oh my god it's so ridiculous um you got anything else um no just uh yeah the the go back listen to all the other history of beers wait for the next one to come out mm. yep don't forget we're almost done with that and then we're gonna have to predict trends in the beer world yep that should be episode 90 so is next episode gonna be everything up to date everything yeah we're so gonna seltzer trains yep Damn, sour i don't know shit. next episode might be too big might have to be a two-parter we'll see yeah there's a, there's a lot of shit that goes down okay i got so much to say because i'm in it i'm in it right now yep all right well uh catch you on the other side later bye everybody Got a DUI, baby. Oh, get it. <laughs> that goddamn tri- alley gas triple sent you over the edge. Oh, man. It's going to jail for a long time. <laughs> QC, quality control. Here we are. Yep. What do we got? Anything? So I've got one thing. I've just got one thing for this History of Beer episode. Okay. And that was just something that I said at the end of the episode. And I got a little interrupted it's okay guys i was saying what to expect on the next episode and i only got halfway through what i was saying oh, okay so craft beer goes mainstream the ipa craze big beer buys craft beer and craft goes cans that's what to expect in the history of beer part nine i like it it's gonna be a good one it might be a part nine Dash one, dash, dash two. one, dash two, or we might just split it up into part nine and part ten. I don't know. We'll see when we get there. Track side one, but it's going to be great because you guys are going to love all the hazy hype boys and the crazy God. IBUs and the crispy boys and the pastry boys. Oh it's going to be crazy. God damn the seltzer train, the salty, the salty boys. <laughs> Watch out for the salty boys; they'll get you. <laughs> They'll scratch. Yeah. God damn it. A lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you wait, enjoyed that. Wait. wait oh, yeah. Wait. Oh, what? I got one. What? Ham's got QC? I Ham. got QC. Ham, what you got? All right. So we talked on the, the podcast about one of the more memorable collabs that I can recall mm. uh, that came out of Stone Brewery. And I remember having this beer, and unfortunately, it was not for me. Um, it was a beer called 
stone farking Wheaton Woot stepped. <laughs> it's quite the name. Okay. And I I I must admit I purchased it purely on the packaging and the illustrations on the bottle alone because mm-hmm. it is a Star Wars themed beer, but strictly from the label. Has nothing really to do with Star Wars, but <laughs> um interestingly enough, it has it depicts four characters on the label. It has the stone gargoyle drinking a like a uh, a nice beautiful mug, frothy mug of this beer. And then you have Greg Coke, Coke, Koch, Cook, Cook, whatever. Okay. Of Stone Brewery, uh who's depicted as the Chewbacca alternative. And then you have Drew Curtis, who is uh the creator of fark.com, which is a website that allows people to do like make like comments on like daily news clips and that kind of thing. He's depicted what I can tell to be uh, a younger Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm. Um, and then you have Will Wheaton on the bottle who is dressed as depicted as Han Solo. And interestingly enough, he is an actor and more specifically an actor who was on Star Trek, the next generation. Yeah. Interesting. So the beer's called, Stone Farking Wheaton Wood Stout. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It is an Imperial Stout. Comes in at at 13%. Um, it is available nationwide. And this is a barrel-aged palate saver um, that has been in inception since 2013. You get notes of pecans, wheat, flaked rye, and bourbon-soaked barrels. Provides this whopping complex superhero version of an imperial stout with a profound complexity that makes it ideal for cellaring. If you can wait that long. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the one memorable collab I can remember having. Wow. That's with, I, with the world of collabs that we have. I'm surprised that that's the only one you got. There's more. There's, there's I know lot, there's yeah. more. There's a, there's there's a, a lot. A crap ton, but. I actually just drank a collab recently from the New Hampshire Brewers Association. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's got a few of the local breweries on there. It's pretty mm-hmm. good, man. Nice. Yeah. But that's it. That's it? All that's right. it. I don't got anything. Okay, good. All I got to say is thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you like the history of beer series, let us know in the comments. And if you're interested in joining on the show, let us know in those comments, too. We're always open to get new, interesting, exciting guests to come on the show, get drunk, and just let us know what you do. That's it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Sausage candles.